to connect with the right audience on social media and throughout our advocacy initiatives has become more and more relevant in recent days. How do we balance our professional responsibility with showcasing our personality and honoring our commitment to inclusivity? We talk about all of this and more with the lovely Mary Meads and Trina Chakrabarti of Wellington Music Therapy Services, a practice of 12 certified music therapists who work across Southern Ontario. Trina Chakrabarti is a certified music therapist, anti-oppressive practice team member, and the Community Connections Coordinator at Wellington Music Therapy Services. Trina completed her Bachelor's in Psychology at Laurier University, followed by her Graduate Diploma and Master's of Music Therapy at Concordia University. During her Master's, she specialized in child psychiatric care, and wrote her thesis on songwriting within adolescent mental health settings. She is passionate about providing services from a strength-based person-centered approach and comes from an anti-oppressive practice lens. Trina is active in social media marketing and advocacy for WMCS through Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Outside of music therapy, she works as a Twitch streamer and content creator. Mary Meads is a certified music therapist, program director, qualifying psychotherapist, clinical supervisor, and founding director of Wellington Music Therapy Services. Mary loves connecting with community partners and families, developing new programs, advocating for the profession, and working with students and interns. Mary's current clinical work focuses on older adults living in long-term care settings and community practice for dementia care, and she is dedicated to working with an anti-oppressive practice framework. Her passion for the field stems from a strong personal connection to music and mental health and a vision to allow access to high-quality music therapy for all those who want it. Without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Able Voice Podcast with Haley and Kim. Hello. Today, we are joined by Mary and Trina of Wellington Music Therapy. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us on. Of course, we're so excited to have a chat with you about advocacy and social media and all things that you are doing in that realm of, of marketing. We're so excited to, to pick your brains and, and um, see a, uh, learn a little bit more about your creativity in that way. Uh, but first, we always like to start by asking our guests about their journey to becoming practicing music therapists. Trina, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So when I was back in um, high school, grade 12, I didn't know what music therapy was at all. Um, I had already actually applied to schooling for psychology. um, But uh, that whole time, I just like, I didn't feel great about just like removing music from my career or only having to do it as a side thing um, in the future. 
Um, and then it was actually my uh, high school teacher at the time. And he literally doesn't even remember this because it was just an offhanded comment for him. But he was like, hey, have you heard of this cool thing called music therapy? And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that that exists. Um, so then I went on like a deep dive and like did all this stuff. I Like I said, I had already applied to school. So I was, um, I went to Queens University and did my first two years there. I was like, well, you know, I'll look into this thing, but let me like go into my program, see what happens. And like this whole thing, it was just in the back of my head. So I ended up transferring in my third year to Laurier so I could take like the intro to music therapy class to like get an idea of what it was. Yeah, it just kind of felt right up my alley. Um, So once I finished my undergrad, I went back and I did like all the classical training. I had done some, but I hadn't done it quite as formally. My foundation was very much in like Indian styles of singing and music. And like, that's how I had learned. Um, So I went back and like did all the RCM stuff and then ended up going to Concordia for the graduate diploma and master's. Yeah, and that wasn't so long ago. Um, Pandemic hit in the middle of my master's program, so I've really only been practicing for a short amount of time. But I will always be grateful for that moment that my high school music teacher doesn't even remember that um, just kind of spiraled into kind of the dream career for me. Yeah, I had a I had a similar kind of journey just because I I wasn't it's not one of those things that I knew I was going to do all through university. I actually did my undergrad in music and biology at the University of Guelph. Wasn't quite sure where that was going to take me. I knew I didn't want to do performance. I thought about community music for a long time, like conducting, that sort of thing. And again, it was a, a really lovely professor of mine who I was really close to who said, I think you should look into music therapy because everything you're describing actually already exists. And this is what it is. So you can go to school for that. So I was like, oh, this is lovely. Yeah, after that, I I had to get my psych minor in a year online. That was fun. And then I applied to Concordia. Yeah, and I went to Concordia for my graduate diploma and my master's as well. So um, it feels like something that I, I dreamed. It was like a dream mm-hmm. that I had that kind of already existed. So that was really... It, it was cool because it was like, oh, okay, I know innately in my body and mind that this is going to be an important profession. And it was, like it was already in existence. So just felt like the perfect fit. And that was a little bit longer ago than Trina. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been practicing for, I guess it'll be coming up on eight years. Isn't it so funny how like an offhand comment or something that seems so small to someone else can be so monumental in our lives? That's fantastic that you both had teachers that were like, hey, this aligns with what you're saying. Check it out. And Trina, I didn't know you went to Queens. I I obviously know that you were at Laurier because we crossed paths there. But yeah, Queens and Kingston where I am. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I was there for my first two years. And like, um, yeah, it's kind of just wild how life works out because going to Laurier ended up being one of the best decisions I could have made with how it led me down to music therapy. Funny how just our journeys take us through so many uh, stages. And like Kim said, one comment from somebody can just change our whole perspective or alert us to things that we didn't know existed. Um, and it's it's really special when we have those moments and we look back on them and we're like, hey, that was actually a really pivotal point in my journey. 
Yeah. And it's, it's all about that. Like, like you said, Haley, like bringing that awareness to things that we didn't know. Like I myself didn't know about the field. It was a similar situation with my journey of, um, you know, using a, a career, um, what was it? That online career test thing that points out music therapy. And you're like, oh, this already exists. All the things that potentially I wanted to be doing already exists out there. Yeah. So I wonder that kind of leads me into my next question of a lot of the work that we have to do as music therapists is advocate for the field and help welcome other people into that world and be that, you know, offhanded comment, well, maybe a little bit more intentional with us. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I wonder if you can share with us, why is advocacy so important to the Wellington music therapy team? Yeah, it's such a great question. And I do think it is really central to to what we do here at Wellington Music Therapy Services, especially over the last, I would say, three years. And certainly when when I think about the word advocacy or like how I used to think about it, I guess it's really shifted and changed over the last few years. When, when of course, a new music therapist and I was starting a business and I was myself and I had too much work for myself. So I started to gather wonderful people to our team. Advocacy to me in the early stages was really about like, what is music therapy Uh, so that we can work, first of all, so that we can work and do fabulous things, so that we can do what we know how to do in the community, right? So, like, originally that was how I really thought about advocacy for many years. And I think that's normal. Like, I think that's how how we use that word in music therapy a lot. It's like letting your your elevator speech, right? Like your pitch. Like, what is music therapy? Because people don't know. And that still holds true. Like, you know, a lot of people don't know, A, that it exists. Like, B, there's a lot of misconception about what we do. There's a lot of misconception about our training, misconception about who we work with, and a lot of misconception, of course, about, like, goals. Like, oh, you you know, you're going to make people feel good by singing to them, right? So, like, advocacy still looks like that for me, for sure. And I would say that's originally how it really looked. But over the last few years, what... And this has been a team-led initiative. Like I said, I gathered fabulous people for our team. So it's really been a team-led approach to shifting what advocacy means to us. And so for us, it's changed a lot into like, not what is music therapy, but like, how can music therapy help support people? And how can music therapy change the world we're living in? So it's more of a bigger bigger picture term. And I have to say, like, at first, that was really hard for me as a business owner, because I had built something and I didn't necessarily share that same perspective because, because of the privilege that I hold. So it wasn't something that I was necessarily focused on. I was just like, we got to get the word out how fabulous we are to support people. You know, we have to tell them what music therapists can do. And, and less about like, what do people want and need for music therapy? And like, how can we support people that lift up marginalized voices of clients and also marginalized like therapists, like people that are working in the field who are also needing more space to, to talk about their work and what's important. So that was hard for me as a business owner at first, because just letting any control go can be really hard for me. That's like my own thing that I actively work on in therapy, <laughs> right? But let, yeah, letting go of some of that, right? So um, now for us, I would say at Wellington Music Therapy Services, advocacy still contains a little bit about like educating on simply the facts, like what is music therapy? But then it's really brought in to include much more of an anti-oppressive practice vision and direction for our business and, and finding ways to amplify voices, amplify voices of people in our community and the greater, like the bigger community too. So again, team-led, 
So I'm actually not on the anti-oppressive practice panel. That's not, that's not part of what I, I do. And a lot of our advocacy is now coming through that channel. So that's why Trina is here today, because she is someone that's on our anti-oppressive practice panel. And she's um, recently, I onboarded her as the community connection coordinator. So um, both of these positions are paid positions, they're compensated positions, and that's why she's here today. She's so fabulous. She can talk a lot more about um, what the forward-facing actual advocacy looks like. I love that this, um, you know, collective approach to advocacy, this well-rounded, holistic approach to advocacy more than just the these are the facts. Mm-hmm. No, these are the facts, but how are how is the work that we do important and valuable to the people that we're serving? What do they need from us for um, when interacting on these platforms, when interacting with us in the community, when interacting on our website? perhaps when interacting with us in person um, during sessions. Advocacy is just more than this marketing scheme, Mm -hmm. it seems like, um, as a thread throughout, you know, your practice. Yeah. And when you're talking there, Haley, like I think about the idea of advocacy, I think it's often released traditionally in music therapy world, like focused on the session. Like what does the session look like and what are we doing in the session? And I think Um, If we think about advocacy more broad and we think about like, how are we changing, not just like goal oriented for like the session, but like goal oriented things for like our communities and like social justice platforms and things like that. So um, it it is hard to sometimes nail down because it is new. It is new and it feels new um, for us anyways. And I think it feels new for me anyway. So it's sometimes hard for me to explain, but I think it's, it's moving beyond music therapy sessions. And, and looking at how music therapists can help support communities to make them like more safe and, and more expressive and more vibrant, right? So like you said, we do fabulous things. This is what we do, but we can also do all these other things and we should feel compelled to do those things. If we're really concerned about the well-being of the world and the well-being of people in it, then we need to look beyond like this session yeah. of music therapy. I always like to say that therapy is political because it is. And I think a lot of the times we want to make sure everyone feels comfortable. But at the end of the day, by doing that, you aren't progressing things in a way that need to be progressed with changing times. A lot of the time, marginalized folks, whether they be clients or therapists, they don't have the choice to feel comfortable. And the idea of feeling comfortable does come from a place of privilege. It is important that we talk about these systems that are at play because they do affect our work, um, whether we are the clients or the therapists in our settings. I appreciate you sharing this perspective because I think um, as music therapists, we do get really caught up in the, you know, that, that first educational piece of, you know, what the heck is it that we do or who are we because we get faced with that question over and over and over again. And and like Mary said, you know, that's still a fundamental element of initially advocating, but there's just so much more to open up that space and um, to invite everyone into the conversation and to really, I guess, put it into context more than anything of, okay, here's here are the facts, but here's how this applies 
to you and to our community and to the people around us um, in that broader context. And I will say, like, as a business owner, it has been it has been fascinating to watch how like and Haley, you and I have actually had this conversation like doing good does good. I don't know. It's like it's been good. It's been a good thing. Like it, for us, it feels good morally, yes. And like, I think that our clients that we already had feel like safer in our space and like more, yeah, like more heard and more, and that there's a visible attempt to understand what people in a better way in our space. Um, and I don't think that, like, I don't think that that would necessarily have happened if we hadn't drastically shifted, drastically shifted, like what it was what we were, our vision for music therapy was going to be like, I don't, I don't think that that would have happened in the same way. And then just like on the business side of things, like we're busier than it gets, we're busier than ever. And so we're, we're finding ways to, to do good. And then good comes back in a way. So I don't have to focus on here are the like six goals that we, we do in music therapy. You know, I, I don't have to really focus on that as much anymore. Because that's not what's like necessarily important anymore, if that makes sense. Well, I will say too, like just as someone, when I was looking for work, I noticed like, especially compared to maybe other positions I was applying to, like Mary like took an interest in the anti-oppressive discussion workshops I was doing. And I think that meant something to me because it was like, you are acknowledging probably what is the most important to me in music therapy advocacy. And I found that, you know, a lot of other places would just like kind of brush that stuff under the rug. It wasn't seen as relevant when in my perspective, it was the most relevant thing I had done. Um, So I think, um, you know, Mary bringing that up in like our interview and talking about that with me and like asking like how I could bring those skills to the team and like what kind of work I'd be interesting in doing um, that, utilize um, what I've done in in that world, in the world of anti-oppressive practice. And, you know, I'm not by any means any kind of professional. And like that, when I say that, I just mean like when it comes to advocacy and social justice and AOP, it's, it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. It's a lifelong learning experience. You are never done. And I think you never should go under the assumption that you will ever be done because that defeats the purpose of us always needing to grow and learn. That's so well said. I'm like have butterflies listening to this conversation because I think this dynamic needs to be, you know, more widespread across the music therapy profession within our businesses. It's really incredible to hear you both talk about how passionate you are about this and why it's so important for your practice. And Mary, you talked a little bit about releasing control and acknowledging that power dynamic that you have um, as a business owner, but also inviting people into the team that have important voices and have important perspectives and, you know, have training in certain areas that, you know, they can take the lead in those areas for for your entire team. And so creating positions where they can excel at those things and bring those strengths to life and then inform everyone else um, in an impactful and meaningful way. And that's that's really incredible to see as well. 
and to acknowledge um, because it can be difficult to release some of that control, but it's beautiful to see what you've created together. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, this wasn't something that we, (laughs) this wasn't something that we had um, given to you ahead of time, but I wonder if you can give us a little bit um, of perspective on how you include uh, different forms of accessibility and invite inclusive inclusivity onto um, platforms when you are posting on social media and things like that for advocacy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think one thing, so we do have uh, three members on our AOP team and, um, you know, we always talk to the fact that um, even though the three of us all come from different backgrounds and different um, perspectives, we still can't speak to our entire community because no community is a monolith. That being said, I think it's been valuable to have the three of us share our different perspectives and learn from each other. And due to the different ways that we present in this world, we've been able to learn things from each other that maybe weren't at the forefront of our mind. So for example, one thing that we do regarding accessibility on social media is when we are making posts about current events or important days to be recognized. Um, Even though the text is in the image on Instagram, we always caption it with all the text that's in the image um, because those that use screen readers, for example, won't see the text in the image. So that's one thing we can do. Um, Instagram sometimes has limits to how much you can type. Um, So due to that, we make sure if it's too much, we'll always put comments that continue the text. Things like um, we are working on and we're still trying to figuring out the best way to do this because it is a bit of a learning process, but alt text. Um, So posts that are specifically more imagery to describe the image in the post. And this is something we're still working on um, and adjusting on both our website and our Instagram. So it's not perfect yet, but it is something that we are trying to utilize more. As far as in the clinic, we have a variety of lighting options for those that are light sensitive. Um, For example, we have little lamps in the room and we can turn off the big lights if uh, necessary. And we can um, make sure that those needs are kind of being met. And also like with our social media, we want to make sure that we are uplifting the voices of the communities that are being most impacted. And so if there is something that I can't speak to, I'm not going to assume that I can, right? I'm going to reach out to those that may have more expertise in the area. So yeah, reaching out to people in the communities, but also at the same time, making sure not to burden people with the expectation to educate. Um, Because that's very important to us, too. You know, like we want to make sure that we are doing our own work. We aren't expecting people just because they're in a community to have to speak on behalf of said community. So it is a balance of, of course, not speaking to things that we don't have the expertise in, uplifting voices that are voluntarily sharing their perspectives. And we always have like just kind of across the board if there is something very heavy in the world happening that is specifically affecting someone on the AOP team, they are allowed to bow out and the others can take over. 
from that accessibility perspective. Accessibility has also just been even more of a topic. I mean, it already should have been um, pre-COVID, but with so many people, myself including, experiencing long COVID, really making sure that the decisions we make are putting disability at the forefront, making sure that that is always our priority. You know, all our staff is still masking, even though things have been lifted. We ask clients that don't have medical needs to mask as well. And it's all just kind of under the the um, idea that we should be putting disabled people first when we talk about accessibility, like, you know, nothing about us without us. That's the, the quote that I love that I always go back to. And so both on and off social media, it's about making sure that we are listening to the voices most impacted without feeling like we are burdening those voices in a way that make it seem like they have to speak to things if they don't want to. And also, no one's a monolith, right? So there's always going to be differences in any community. I think, I think too, um, I'm just thinking to the word accessibility. Like, it reminds me of the word advocacy, right? Like, we talked mm-hmm. about advocacy shifting and changing, and, and that word um, can change meaning and mean different things for different people. Um, I think the word accessibility, too, like, traditionally, if I said to, to the general people that are surrounding me in my life, like, what does accessible mean? They would instantly think of, like, accessibility for physical disability. But I think that we've also reimagined what accessible means. So, like, by by uplifting and, like, giving space for different voices, I think on our social media and, like, having that being very forward-facing, being very forward-facing and present as, like, a vision for our company or, like, a mandate for our company, I think that that creates accessibility because it, it, it means that more people are going to feel seen and heard and know that we are like listening mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to do something um, to help lift their own experiences. So I, I think that that's like a different way of thinking about accessibility. Um, of course, we do all the other accessibility things, but in terms of like social media, you know, showing different perspectives and different ways of just being ourselves like opens the door so that other people can feel safe and comfortable in mm-hmm. our practice. The word accessible is also just, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily always means the same thing for every person because every, oh, yeah. you know, every different person has their own accessibility needs. Yeah. And I think that's also important whenever we take on new clients, we always ask like, what accessibility needs do you do you have like what can we do to make sure that this is a space that you can feel comfortable in that was a team-led initiative too mm-hmm. like there's been so many wonderful team-led initiatives like our intake form has drastically changed over the years to include um, things that the team all felt were um, should be asked I'm like oh yeah of course that should be asked thank you for your time like I'm so grateful for everyone sharing their own perspective and I do have to say I just wanted to say that that like Again, as a business owner, it was an intention, like it was a very intentional thing to diversify the team members. Like that was an intentional thing that I honestly, because of my privilege and because of like just my training and everything and the way I was brought up and everything, it's like I never had to think about it before. I just didn't. I feel very humbled like by that. And then I I took a few steps back a few years ago and and was like, okay. No, like this, our team is not necessarily a very diverse voice right now as a practice. And so what is that going to look like for us? 
So that was very team led too, I would say. So just ensuring that we have a diverse team because we have diverse clients and we like it, you know, we need to be able to support that in the right way. And so I think that leads into the social media thing because it's like, it's not just one voice. Like Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't, well, first of all, I am not very good with social media <laughs> and I, I am just not, I'm not very good with it. So, but like, I never wanted my voice to be the one that was heard, but it was for very different reasons. I was like, I just can't do it. You know, I don't, I'm not going to be a good voice, but then now it's changed and shifted. Like I, my voice shouldn't be the one that's always heard. Yes. I have a voice on the team and I exist in my, you know, I'm here, but that's been a shift too in the social media realm. It's like, that's very intentionally done. Mm-hmm. It's an yeah, intentional very, choice. Very team-led, very yes. much a collaboration, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, another thing that I love about it because I do think it is so important and I do think more, more businesses in the healthcare and therapeutic space should be utilizing that kind of thing. When it comes to accessibility, exactly what you said, that it doesn't look the same for everyone. Of course it can't. And making sure that we are providing things beyond just the standard is important and always making sure that if there is something that's not working, we provide a space where clients know that they can tell us. And, you know, as so many of us therapists are also in therapy and, you know, when you were talking to the diversity team, like when I look for mental health resources, that is something I look for. Like I want a therapist that can understand my experiences as a woman of color, that is important to me. And so if it's important to me, it's probably important to a lot of people. And like, I know it is just from conversations, seeing yourself represented, it just, it can make a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So well said on, on both of your parts of just, I really love hearing that collaborative um, approach to the work that you do, because like you said, Mary, yeah, but there's not just one voice and, um, absolutely Trina, like representation matters and being able to connect with a therapist that, you know, can understand where you're coming from or that you're not having to, you know, really explain all of yourself to, to each person that you're meeting and just having that connection. It's important. And, you know, we all have different voices. We all have different lived experiences. So it would be a missed mark if it's just one person, you know, speaking from their their experience. Yeah. So I wonder, t- maybe tell us if you have anything more to add, but I-, I would really love to hear about, you know, how are you using social media right now? All of those things included. Obviously, there's lots of intention be- behind what you're doing Um within your advocacy on social media. So what does that look like, um, you know, in terms of platforms, content, process, all the nitty gritty. That's the fun part. And I don't have to, I don't do it. No, but I tell Mary to do weird things and she's usually down for it. Um, I'm that annoying person that's like messaging colleagues being like, okay, I need you to dress like this because we need to do these TikToks. Um, But so, okay, so... Again, with different platforms, you kind of have to cater to um, the audience on those platforms. On things like Instagram and Facebook, we um, are more focused on social justice imagery posts. And it's not that we don't do that stuff on TikTok too. It's just, it's, it's a platform that leads itself to that a little more. And we also like often will like repost content from marginalized creators on our social media through our initiatives that was um, a fellow member of our AOP team's idea 
uh, Follow Friday, where we, um, you know, we advertise other communities, um, other creators that are just doing great work um, and uh, making sure that um, we uh, are uplifting those voices when we're talking about things that maybe we can't speak to. Um, but on TikTok, you know, we like to have fun. And I think a big part of that is like, I, I have issue with the idea that therapists always have to be like this kind of like mm-hmm. stone-faced presence. Yeah. Um, I know that I've never really connected as much with therapists when it's been that. And like some people do thrive in that environment and that's fine. You're not going to find a lack of that. There's plenty of that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, with TikTok, we wanted it to be like, you know, we're people and we have fun. And I think that we want to show that we are someone that you can relate to. Um, and it doesn't always have to be so serious. Like we can we can give into making memes and it's fine. You know, we can we <laughs> at first Rita, she, she would do a TikTok and they would her and a few other on the team would do it. And then she'd go, I'll I will connect this. To music therapy somehow, I, I promise. And I'm like, it's okay. Like, you know, at first I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's important, but like, maybe it's not. So it's and like that's the thing. Said. Like sometimes, and you know, at the beginning, yeah, I was trying to kind of relate everything. Um, but actually, another member of our AOP team was like, you don't have to, and she was like telling me that like a lot of the times, like businesses that she follows on TikTok she likes it when they don't connect everything to their business. Like, it's okay when you do sometimes, and, like, we do have educational TikToks out there, but, like, sometimes we just have fun and make dance videos, and sometimes we, um, <laughs> we um, you know, like, we'll dress ourselves up with things in the clinic, and um, sometimes we'll just play fun songs. And, like, you know, like, it doesn't always have to be related. The point of it is to just bring in that idea that this is a warm place where we can have fun and that you don't need to be afraid of that. Because I do think it is something people are afraid of. The idea that because it's music therapy, you have to be some kind of professional musician to be a client or that music always has to be serious. And part of that is with the education systems we grow up in and how it's always that like strict Western training. And that's a problem on a variety of levels. It's very not inclusive. You know, it's prioritizing dominant white voices versus the diversity that we have in our communities that we should be representing. Um, So when it comes to TikTok, it's really just about having fun. And, um, you know, like you, you don't always have to be so serious. It's okay to let loose a little bit. And I think, you know, we've actually had, um, you know, clients say that they appreciate our reels and our TikToks and things like that, because yeah, it does bring more relatability and more fun. And it, it takes the pressure off of feeling like you have to be good because that's so not the point <laughs> of music therapy. You know, it's it speaks to that and it brings, I think, a sense of comfort. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm not a dancer. I'm just not, okay? And so I, I, <laughs> I'm an okay musician, but in terms of my dancing, it's not great. And so they want me to dance in it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be awful. Like I cannot, but that's in my own way. It's like, 
oh, okay, you're right. Like I'm asking clients, or mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say that it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be a dancer to, in, to find benefits of dancing. And so I, I, like, I checked myself. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, it's fine. I can do this. I'll be fine. And it's okay if the world sees me not doing it right necessarily. Yeah. Now you guys are all going to go back and look at our TikTok <laughs> and look for me. And, <laughs> you know, but it is so true. <laughs> Absolutely, we are. <laughs> it does get us to check ourselves. Because yeah, even when I've sung in my our TikToks, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, that wasn't a perfect take sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why does it have to be? Yeah. You know, like I'm not performing at some big recital I'm making a TikTok like it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be perfect and I think it does give us that opportunity to check in with ourselves Mm -hmm. and make sure that we are applying things we say to our clients and about the field to ourselves Mm -hmm. as well yeah I mean in AOP work this just connects back to everything that you were talking about too it's all about reducing that that power imbalance that exists between us as therapists and our music therapy participants. And, you know, what better way to do that than to get vulnerable ourselves? And I think within our profession, there's this idea that we have to really keep our, our, you know, our personality, our personal, you know, identity really separate from who we are as a professional. And, on platforms like TikTok, that's not always, you know, the best if we're trying to invite people into a relationship with us and we want them to feel comfortable and included and comfortable and warm, um, like some of the words that you were using before. And I think it's so wonderful to see professionals letting loose a little bit, showing uh, our vulnerabilities in this way, especially if we're going to be inviting our, our participants to do the same with us. You know, we're saying from a professional level that, hey, you can come and do music therapy and you don't have to be good at music but then you know we feel very comfortable with you know our musicianship and that musician side but on TikTok when you're dancing (laughs) it unlocks a whole new level of okay I can sit in this uncomfortable feeling um, and I can relate more to maybe how somebody feels when they're coming to a music therapy session um, with those vulnerabilities Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny while you chat there, Haley, like I think about, I talked about, <clears throat> I talk about this with interns often about like this idea of professionalism and then like personality. And I just, I would like, if I ever go back to school, I'm going to study this. I mean, I probably will not go back to, so don't quote me on that. But if I ever, I'm just so fascinated by this idea that like personality and therapeutic relationship, like, you know, the triangle we talk about in music therapy, there's like the client, there's the therapist, and there's the music. And I'm not sure we really talk all that much about like who you are as like a person, as a therapist, and like how that can be, it can be harmful in some instances if you're not doing regular supervision and you're not like checking, you know, your own biases and your own privileges and everything like that. But it can also be like so fabulously wonderful in building therapeutic relationship. And I think that that's fascinating. And I'm not sure that, I'm not sure we talk about that enough Mm -hmm. about like how, how just being you is important Mm -hmm. as a therapist and like you bring your own skills and just your own personality and that's going to create and invite clients to do wonderful work together. I think that's so, and you were just saying that, and it does connect, it connects to the humanity of like 
how social media for us in the last little bit, and again, team-led, Trina is doing a lot of it as the community connections coordinator, if not all of it, (laughs) in terms of like the organization of it, right? Um, Comes up with the most creative, fun ideas. But I think that that's like allowing us as therapists also just to feel like more human. And yes, professionalism is important, like consent, confidentiality, safe space, accessibility, like all these things are important. Got to nail that down. That's ethics, right? Ethics and scope of practice, like follow that. But that doesn't mean we have to be like a sterile, and a I, sterile entity. And I think um, yeah. on that note, like it's just kind of like changing what the definition of professionalism mm-hmm. is, because I think we have this idea of, again, it's a very white centered idea of like how you dress yeah. and how you present yourself. And to us, that's not what it is. It is about those things, consent, confidentiality, mm-hmm. ethics, like that's professionalism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and I know that you said that like the TikToks and the fun ideas have let the team loose a bit, but it's also helped me, you know, as someone who was a professional dancer for so long and then getting long COVID, losing so much of my mobility, it, it's hard to not be able to move in a way I used to be able to. Um, but it's brought, I, I still am able to do joyful movement and it's just kind of like a self check-in, like, you know, it's not what it used to be and it's okay to miss that, but it doesn't mean that there aren't other ways that you can, you can find joy in those things. And like, it's an important check-in for us. It's an important check-in for our team, our clients. And yeah, you know, I feel like we learn just as much as the people that are viewing mm-hmm. um, our content. Yeah. And team building. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, nothing bonds you more yeah. than being like, hey, I'm teaching you a TikTok <laughs> dance. <laughs> yeah. It certainly brought some joy, mm-hmm. certainly, like to our clinical space. You know, it's like healthy workspaces. I think we've talked a lot about because of the pandemic, too. It's like, how can we change our workplaces? And again, that professional life to be like a bit more normal I don't know it's just like just be (laughs) you and be wonderful right I love that just be you (laughs) I also love the term joyful movements (laughs) that's incredible and speaking of like just creativity and and connecting what you're doing on these platforms to like current events Trina I must have gone through uh, the show on Netflix Wednesday <laughs> in one weekend. And then I went on TikTok <laughs> and I saw you do the best scene from the entire series, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> That's the great thing. It's like now watching Netflix is uh, working. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, um, the, the, and like, you know, you got to draw your interest from yeah, outside you know, into this platform on like, you know, the base level, it's a fun dance, but I think it went deeper than that because, you know, after that show came out, a lot of people online were being very mean about that dance um, and very judgy about it. And that was another reason we did it because we were like, we want to say that moving in any way is valid. Absolutely. I think social media in general has opened up this new way of interacting with one another. And the internet can be a cruel place. The internet 
can be a really challenging place to navigate. Um, and so shedding light um, within the platform, I think people are, are really going to um, connect with that because I think we need to see more more of that. But also sometimes even when the intention is to spread that light or to have a positive message, it, it might not be received in that way Um so I I just want to ask, you know, overall in, in all of your advocacy initiatives on social media, um, what story or message do you most hope to communicate with your online and in-person audiences? So I'll just speak from like my perspective, I guess. For me, I think that it's kind of that advocacy can look different, right? It's like circling back to to the start of the conversation and then and that it not only can look different like it should. Like it sh- for I think it should look different because I think there's times again, this is like a internship supervisor Barry, I talk about the lean in, the lean out, right? So there's time in a session if you think about a session, right? Like there's time for a therapist to lean in. Like take some sort of control over the session to ensure safety and make sure that we're going kind of towards the right goals and, and taking the ownership of like the leaning in aspect of being a therapist, but there's also time and more time maybe should be taken for the lean out aspect, right? Like let's start listening to, let's start listening to what's really happening in the music in a session, for example, or let's start really listening to what's being told to us through body language, through verbal language through musical language right so I like to think of it that way like so for advocacy there is time to like lean into okay this is what music therapy is this is it like hey this is what we do we have a team of 12 therapists and we work in Guelph Ontario you know like very specific right but then I think for me what I'd like to see is more people leaning out a little bit and like listening to what advocacy means to other people and like what what it is time now to figure out how to be more supportive um, of the people in our communities and including ourselves and our teams and everything, everyone. The community is wide. The community is not just the clients we serve. Like the community is our teams, our families. It's wide um, to what we really need to make a difference with music therapy and like what that can really look like. It's like Trina said, like a lot of the education is already there. <laughs> so but you don't need to keep asking. We can you can do some digging. Maybe you lean into that instead of <laughs> leaning into your elevator pitch a little bit about what music therapy is. I think that's what I want. I want I want more people to feel comfortable with with leaning out a little bit and taking a step back from what they feel is traditionally important to advocate about. And then like also, you know, I kind of mentioned this at the beginning, like if you see social justice related things that make you uncomfortable, maybe there's a reason for that. And, you know, I think in those moments, we need to take a step back and be like, okay, I'm having this reaction. It's okay that I'm having this reaction. Um, But maybe I have to sit with that reaction. Maybe instead of immediately taking it in a negative light, let me examine why I'm having this kind of reaction. Let me take a step back. Let me make sure what I'm reading is I'm reading what is being said, not what I think it's being said. And maybe let's open our mind to a perspective that I hadn't heard because it's not a world I have been in. 
And, you know, I think we have the habit, like, of course, all humans have our biases. Um, but when it comes to anti-oppressive practice, like, the reason, one of the reasons that I've really loved, you know, making sure we are talking about these world events is because, yeah, it's going to sometimes make people uncomfortable, but it's a privilege to feel uncomfortable and not everyone has the choice. And if discomfort is all you feel, then you should consider yourself lucky because some people are getting hurt. And that's obviously a lot worse. And so, you know, and I'm not meaning this in a way to be harsh or anything, and I don't want it to come across that way. I'm just saying that when it comes to advocacy, you're going to see things that maybe you haven't seen before, and maybe you're going to react in a way you didn't expect to react. Um, And it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to sit with those feelings and then maybe do a little more digging. Um, And I think that more of us need to come from that perspective because that's the other thing. It's okay to make mistakes and get things wrong. Um, And it's okay to have thought a certain way about things for a long time and then get more information and change your perspective. And I think people are really scared to do that, you know, coming from come from something and, you know, have a certain way of thinking and being okay with being like, I was wrong. I feel like that those that sentence I was wrong is really hard to for people to um, to say. And um, And it is hard. Like, I'm not going to say it's not a difficult thing um, because it is. But I think that's something that is I want to portray and I want to share is those voices because you might learn something and um, it's it's okay to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And if you're watching me on TikTok, you are going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Right? Like, I don't know. I think too, it's like the idea of getting with the times. Like, that's just what I told myself. I'm just I'm like, I'm in a place in my life right now where it's hard to mash anything more in. I just can't. But I think the idea of being open <laughs> to learning Uh, And letting other people take their reins on some of that. I think advocacy in terms of social media, um, like the platforms are there. They exist already. And it's what people are interacting with now. A lot of people. And so as a way of accessibility, like that's how a lot of people are getting information. That's how a lot of people are accessing service. Like that's how they're feeling comfortable, connecting with different things. Like even now, I mean, I'm not a TikTok talk person, but like, I like Instagram. So um, I love vibrant Instagrams. I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy those candles from that fabulous <laughs> small business owner because look at her fabulous Instagram. That looks great. So like just that lesson in and of itself, apart from the anti-oppressive stuff, just like getting with the, with the times. Social media can be a very accessible place. Yeah. And you know, it, it does come around to that. And like, yeah, totally. we get a lot of a lot of referrals and stuff through Facebook still. That's like a really big place for us to advertise in terms of like advertising, you know, not just advocacy, but like just getting people to know we're here. And so this is just like broadened that. So like as a business, as a business practice, I think it's smart too. 
uh, on the other side of it, right? It's like, again, circling back, like if you can do some good, the good will come to you. Mm-hmm. Do some good and good will come to you. It's what we put out into the universe, right? Um, that's fabulous. And I, I think I've loved this conversation that we've had today. And I think a lot of our audience will really resonate with it too. A lot of really important themes that have come out of it from, you know, checking ourselves and our our vulnerabilities and how we're inviting people into the conversation and the experiences, exploring the interplay between professionalism and personality and being able to be authentically you and inviting others to do so as well, despite what's going on in the world. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences and what all the great work that you're doing as well. Yeah, I think it's really going to click with many people in our audience. And if they wanted to, you know, engage with this content or connect with you at all, where can they find you? On Instagram, Facebook, Um, We are at Wellington Music Therapy Services. And then on TikTok, we're Wellington Music Therapy. And then the website is wellingtonmusictherapyservices.com. I I don't know. I'm pretty open to having conversations with other people if they want to pick pick my brain about like what it looks like from a business perspective to (laughs) try to incorporate some of this stuff and and, you know, a little bit of peer supervision, like I can totally recognize that as a business owner or like even a private practice, like if it's your own personal private practice and you're just working for yourself, like it can be really hard to step into the, mm-hmm. find the energy, time, understanding to like step into the world of this new way of advocating. And so I'm always you can always pick my brain. I might not email you back right away. It's me on the other end of the email. Yeah. So it's wellingtonmusictherapyservices at gmail.com. And that's that's me on yeah. the other end. And then if you want to contact me, it's trina.wmts at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm always open to having conversations and answering whatever people yeah. are curious about. But I just, I, it's very much a team effort and, you know, I don't think we could do all the advocacy we're doing if it wasn't for the collective effort of everybody on our team. Thank you so, so much again, Trina and Mary, for joining us today. It's been a fabulous conversation. Um, I don't know about everyone else, but I'm going to go back and scroll through some of those TikToks and see if I can see some awesome (laughs) awesome dance moves and... Um, hopefully this conversation and dance along inspire everyone to join along and uh, you know enjoy some joyful movement and all the great things that come with being your fabulous self <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for having us thank you for listening to the able voice podcast if you want to hear more episodes like this subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at synergy music therapy You can also find links to our most recent and top-rated episodes on our website at www.synergymusictherapy.com.